Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to the Feathered Desert, everyone. I'm Kirsten, and Cheryl is with me today, as always. And today, we're going to talk about the Endangered Species Act. 2023 is the 50th anniversary of the Endangered Species Act, and Cheryl and I thought it was the perfect time to talk about what this act is and what it has done for our feathered friends. Yes, and exactly what is the Endangered Species Act? Well, we're going to quote, quoting directly from the Environmental Protection Agency's website. That's a mouthful. It is. The ESA is a federal law passed in 1973 that provides a program for the conservation of threatened and endangered plants and animals and the habitats in which they are found. The lead federal agencies for implementing the ESA are the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the U.S. National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration Fisheries Service. Talk about a mouthful. (laughs) I know. I'm so glad they have an acronym. The law requires federal agencies in consultation with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and or the NOAA Fisheries Service to ensure that Actions they authorize, fund, or carry out are not likely to jeopardize the continued existence of any listed species or result in the destruction or adverse modification of designated critical habitat of such species. The law also prohibits any action that causes a taking of any listed species of endangered fish or wildlife. Also, import, export, Interstate and foreign commerce is li- of listed species are all generally prohibited. And that's quite a mouthful in layman's terms. <laughs> so this act protects and recovers the species at risk of extinction and promotes the conservation of the habitats they need to survive. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, <laughs> yeah. It's always nice to have the definition. Yes, it is. So now we know what it is. So the next question is, how does a plant or animal get listed as threatened or endangered so they can receive protection under the Endangered Species Act? This one was a learning process for me. This one was long. So according to the NOAA Fisheries Service website, it is a many-stepped process that can take several years to accomplish. First, there are five factors that must be determined before a plant or animal can be listed as threatened or endangered. Number one, is there present or threatened destruction, modification, or curtailment of its habitat or range? Number two, has there been overutilization of the species for commercial, recreational, scientific, or educational purposes? Number three, is it being threatened by disease or predation? Number four, is there an inadequacy of existing regulatory mechanisms? I think that one's kind of a vague step. but Yeah. Number five, are natural or man-made factors affecting its continued existence? Of course. Yes. If the answer to these five questions are all yes, which must be supported by scientific evidence, current scientific evidence, then action must be taken to determine if the organism needs to be listed under the Endangered Species Act. So... 
To determine this, NOAA and U.S. Fish and Wildlife starts a listing process. This can begin in one of two ways. One, they receive a petition from a private organization or person requesting a species be listed as threatened or endangered. Two, NOAA or U.S. Fish and Wildlife chooses to examine the status of a species themselves. So after receiving a petition, the next step is a 90-day period in which they decide to accept the petition or deny the petition. The decision must be publicly announced. If it is, oh my goodness, pardon me. If it is denied, that's the end of the road for the time being. If it's a yes, then we move on to the next step that can take up to 12 months. In this step, scientific data is gathered from all sources, private and public, and this information is peer-reviewed for accuracy, which means that scientists in the know, in the understanding, are all reviewing this information. Once the evidence is read, the petition is either classified as not warranted, which means these agencies publish a negative 12-month finding, and then that's all she wrote for this attempt. If it's deemed warranted, they publish this finding and then request public comment on the proposal to list the species as threatened or endangered. <laughs> By the time you're done with this, the animal's going to be gone anyway. I know. That is, actually, that is a concern. It so is a we concern. We laugh about it, but that's probably very true. The final ruling is generally determined and published within one year of the date of the proposed rule. So that results in being listed as endangered or threatened in all or part of the species range. Whoosh, that's quite a few steps. I wrote that on there. I'm even tired right now talking about <laughs> just talking about it. I'm tired. So, okay, here's the question. What's the difference between threatened and endangered? So endangered means an animal or plant is in danger of extinction throughout all or a significant portion of its range. I bet this is where one of the hang-ups or hiccups are. Yes. Threatened means a species is likely to become endangered within the foreseeable future. State and federal stat statutes can... That's right. That is right, can, yes. Uh, ...can be different from each other. The federal status takes precedent, but states can have their own classifications. For example, a species can be considered threatened federally, but can be endangered in the state of Arizona. That species would receive protection under the Endangered Species Act, as well as state protection laws. We have fed several animals like that, and birds in particular. Yes. In, um, Arizona. So, now that we know what the Endangered Species Act and how we become listed, let's look at how the Endangered Species Act has actually helped some of our feathered friends throughout the years. The most famous and well-known example is the bald eagle. Many of you listening probably already know this or have heard about it. For those of you who don't, we're going to give you a quick review. In the mid-1900s, the bald eagle was at risk for extinction. Habitat loss and degradation illegal shooting and poisoning from the pesticide DDT was at fault. All of these causes were man-made issues. The bald eagle was listed as endangered in 1978 throughout the lower 48 states, with the exception of Michigan, Minnesota, Oregon, Washington, and Wisconsin, where they were listed as threatened. So you can see how that one animal can have different listings. 
The bald eagle was adopted as the national symbol in 1782. And at that time, it is estimated that there were approximately 100,000 nesting pairs. So that technically means 200,000 birds because they're nesting pairs. In the mid to late 1800s, their numbers began to decline at the same time that overhunting was causing a decline in waterfowl numbers, which is a major prey item for these eagles. Due to the incorrect belief that eagles killed chickens, lamb, and other domesticated livestock, shootings took many of their lives, as well as the discovery of DDT as a great way to get rid of mosquitoes. But the problem with that pesticide is that DDT coated everything everything where we sprayed it and was ingested by wildlife which made its way into the food eagles ate killing them and weakening their eggshells causing incubating mothers to crush their own eggs by 1963 there were only 417 nesting pairs of bald eagles known to exist in the u.s Listing the bald eagle as endangered under the Endangered Species Act allowed federal agencies to band together to begin the conservation efforts that included establishing captive breeding programs, enforcing protections legally, protecting nest sites during breeding season, and reintroduction programs. Because of these efforts, in 1995, bald eagles were reclassified as threatened, which, yay, that means you're not imminently going to ex be extinct, and in 2007, they were removed from the Endangered Species Act altogether because their population was now estimated at 9,789 nesting pairs in the contiguous United States. In 2019, an estimated 316,700 individuals existed, with 71,467 of those being breeding pairs. Wow. Which is wonderful. That is amazing. And the bald eagle is an ESA success story, and without the protections of the Endangered Species Act, they would most likely have gone extinct. Wouldn't that have been sad? Our national yeah. you know, bird, an emblem of the, the U.S., would... Yeah. No longer exists due to our own um, mismanagement. Yes. Our next example is one you may not have heard of, and that is the Kirkland Warbler. This is a small yellow-breasted warbler, warbler that migrates between their breeding grounds in northern Michigan and winter grounds in the Bahamas. <laughs> that sounds like... It <laughs> sounds like a life. It's a long yeah. way, but boy, who that doesn't sounds, want to overwinter in the Bahamas? That's right. <laughs> they only nest in large areas of dense, young jack pines. These habitats are typically produced through natural wildfires. Years of preventing uh, cyclic... Uh, wildfires through human efforts led to the decline in their preferred habitat and the invasion of the parasitic brown-headed cowbird due to the change in habitat directly diminished their population. In 1973, the Kirkland's warbler was one of the first species listed under the Endangered Species Act. Efforts to recover this bird had been going on since the 1950s, but without success. The listing allowed several forces to band together to create a program that would be more successful. To address the issues of habitat loss, the USDA Forest Service and Michigan Department of Natural Resources developed a program to harvest old jack pine forests and then plant, plant new jack pines to provide those young trees uh, for the warblers 
because that's what they needed. In 1980, nature also helped out with a natural wildfire that burned 10,000 acres of jack pine habitat, making way for new growth. So what the Kirkland Warbler needs is new growth forest, not yes. old growth forest. Yeah. In 1981, there existed only 232 pairs of Kirkland Warblers. Five years later, the numbers had dropped to 170. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. By, that's pretty scary. It is. And by the 19, because they're migrating. Mm-hmm. So we're only counting when they're in the U.S. Yeah. By the ni- 1990s, with the increase in available habitat, the numbers began to rise. In 2001, their breeding pairs exceeded 1,000. In 2019, they hit 2,300 breeding pairs and were removed from the Endangered Species Act. Another success story for the ESA that Phil Huber, a national forest biologist, contributes to the teamwork of biologists, foresters, researchers, and volunteers. They had made possible by listing that had been made possible by listing under the Endangered Species Act. That is pretty amazing. That one is a pretty cool one. That is, and a lot of people probably don't know about that cute yeah, little bird. Yeah, just a tiny little warbler. Okay, our third example is the fastest creature on Earth, the peregrine falcon. Prior to 1940, it was estimated that there were 3,875 nesting pairs of peregrine falcons in North America. By the 1960s, peregrines had disappeared from the eastern United States And by the 1970s, their population in the western United States had declined by 90%. By 1975, only 324 pairs existed in the United States. Loss of habitat, shooting, and egg collection plagued these falcons for years. But the truly devastating blow was that use of the pesticide DDT. It gets you every time. It gets you every time. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Use of this chemical had the same impact on the peregrine as it did on the bald eagle, where brooding mothers were crushing their eggs due to a lack of calcium in the shell. American peregrines were quickly on their way to extinction. This bird was actually classified as endangered in 1970 under the Endangered Species Conservation Act of 1969, which we don't use anymore. But this listing was rolled over under the Endangered Species Act when it came into action in 1973. When DDT was banned by the Environmental Protection Agency in 1972, recovering the peregrine falcon population became a real possibility. In 1974, the Peregrine Fund, national and state agencies in the United States and Canada, and private volunteers band together to embark on a reintroduction program. Researchers at Cornell University successfully devised a plan to breed adults in captivity. And with the help of state and federal wildlife services, they reintroduced these birds into the wild. Because of these efforts, more than 6,000 American peregrine falcons have been released in North America. Yeah, 6,000. That is, and I'm sure that's not a bird... That is easy to breed in captivity. No, I'm sure they had their work cut out for them, uh, figuring that one out. In 1999, their numbers were so well recovered that they were removed from the Endangered Species Act. The American peregrine falcon is the most dramatic success story of the Endangered Species Act. Wow, pretty awesome. Really very nice. So these are just three dramatic examples of the success stories of the Endangered Species Act. 
As of 2016, there were 120 bird species protected under this act, and according to a review published by the Center of Biological Diversity, 85% of continental U.S. birds protected by the Endangered Species Act have increased or stabilized since being protected. The average increase, this is it's a bit mind-boggling. These are these numbers are a bit mind-boggling. This average increase was 624%. Current recovering species include the California condor in California and Arizona that are up 391% since 1968. Whooping cranes in the central US that are up 923% since 1967. Wood storks in the southeast that are up 61% since 1984. California lease terns that are up 1,835% since 1970. And the Puerto Rican parrots that are up 354% since 1967. Not only are those percent increases astounding, it shows you how low the populations yeah. were for those birds when they were put on the Endangered Species yes. Act. And how hard we know that some of these recovery efforts have worked. Yes. So these are amazing results. Currently, there are 1,300 species of plants and animals listed as endangered or threatened in the United States under the Endangered Species Act. If the last 50 years show us anything, these species have a good shot at beating extinction as long as we all continue to work together. As a side note, the birds in the success stories we talked about have been removed from the um, ES. ESA and are still protected by federal law under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. For more on that, on this act, please check out the, the episode um, titled Bird Laws in our podcast. And it's a recent one, so you don't have to go very far back. Yes. So the Audubon Society calls the Endangered Species Act the strongest federal safeguard against the extinction of species in the United States. The examples we've just talked about prove how this legislation does work. Reluctantly, in recent years, there have been grumblings in Congress about limiting the effectiveness of this act. To protect our feathered friends, we must make our feelings known by supporting the continued use of the Endangered Species Act so we can have another 50 years of success stories. All right. 